Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in. It was a real pleasure to meet James Holmes today and he travelled a long way to meet with me. That was from Somerset and we're actually in West Yorkshire so it was rather a long way. So James went on Dragon's Den last year with a product called MarkMate and he basically developed that for himself to use with his own marking. But since Dragon's Den he's seen a lot of schools buying into it. And I wanted to get James on the podcast to talk about marking as many schools are dramatically changing their marking policies. And I wanted to quiz James on his thoughts of the value of marking, given that his product is centred around it. So James's device uses voice technology. And although we might not like to admit it, we're actually likely to be using voice technology a lot more in the coming years. I'd be interested to know what you think about the points raised in James's interview. And you can let me know in my Facebook community called the Teachers Podcast Community. Let's get to James's interview. So welcome to the Teachers Podcast. Thank you. Um, we're going to do an interview and I've got James Holmes with me from Mark Mate. So you may be thinking, I recognise this person and he has been on the Dragon's Den with um, his product. And I thought it'd be really good to talk to him, not just about his product, but also about marketing. I just think this is going to be a really interesting interview. I spoke to some of the, the teachers in the office about the kind of questions that I thought people would really want to know the answers to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also put it in our uh, Facebook uh, community as well. So I've got a few questions from them as well. Okay. So that's going to be good. Um, so the first thing I thought would be helpful is, so obviously I know you used to be a teacher. Mm. Can you just explain your journey you know, towards teaching and then out of teaching? Because it's just helpful for everyone to have a bit of a background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've been a teacher for probably eight years. Um, Always wanted to be a teacher, kind of wanted to be a primary school teacher. So I trained um, as a primary school teacher and originally as a music teacher. Um, I got my first job with a year one class um, and wanted to, to become a music teacher at school. And then kind of within the first couple of years of teaching, I kind of found a passion for IT and for computing, mm-hmm. um, which kind of led on to some other things um, did sort of cast master teaching and sort of supporting other schools with the it was just when the computing curriculum was coming out mm-hmm. uh, the new computing curriculum so it was all about supporting schools leading schools with that new curriculum um, and that kind of got me into the world of IT and the world of computers and then as I kind of started working up through the year group so I went from sort of key stage one then went to key stage two um, and then my sort of last job that I was at was in a middle school so that was mm-hmm. key stage two and key stage three yeah. um, and that was brilliant because it was basically enabled me to kind of teach computing through most year groups, really. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of in that school, in that last position, where I was kind of starting to feel the kind of stress that everybody kind of gets under in the workload balance because I'd taken yeah. on more responsibility and all those sorts of things. Um, and then that kind of led to developing the product and Markmate in itself was purely for a conversation in the staff room 
um, you know, we're having a chat about surely there's an easier way. What about using dictation? And it kind of just spurred me on from there. And I just went away and started researching and developing for my own personal, you know, uh, product to kind of help myself. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just went from there, really, and snowballed. And other people started seeing it, and were uh, other people wanted to use it, and then it kind of led us to where we are today, really. So that's pretty impressive, really. So you've been a teacher, but then you've also developed something as well, you know, like as a developer. Yeah, and that's not something I'd ever done before. You know, I, I, I had a little bit of programming knowledge, yeah. you know, having to teach programming at school and different languages and stuff, but not something I'd, you know, would confess that I was a programmer or anything. Yeah. Um, but once I sort of started digging into it and could see that there was potential there, I just was driven basically so it's just every free minute at home yeah, yeah. after I'd done my school sort of responsibilities and stuff it was just reading googling testing doing all kinds of how things. on earth did you fit that in I really struggled yeah, and it yeah. was just literally when it was all sort of the main kind of phase was when my wife was pregnant with our first daughter and it's uh literally I was coming home from school sort of six seven o'clock yeah do my marking we'd have tea and then I'd go and sit at my computer until three, four o'clock in the morning and then sleep for a couple of hours, go to school. And basically that was my life for yeah. sort of four or five months, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it worth it though? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah definitely. And yeah. it was that kind of that light bulb moment when I've been putting all this time and all this effort into it. And then I had the first kind of test run where I had my set of books up in my spare room and I t literally had a little stopwatch and timed it. And did all my marking and sort of stopped the stopwatch, and I realised this is there's something here. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was definitely worth it in that sense. So you've mentioned a lot about uh, computing. Mm. Um, so do you have any thoughts about the computing curriculum? I I love you know computers have always been just a, a personal passion of mine anyway. I did, as I said, I didn't think I was going to be a computing teacher as such. Yeah. Um, I love technology and I love how technology can enhance all kinds of things. Um, my personal thing about the computing curriculum is I love the way that it's, it opens the way children think about things, the computational thinking of, that can be applied to everything, not just computing. Um, there's a lot of things um, like the barefoot computing um, sort of materials and things, which is all about computing skills and thought processes, but not even using technology, going outside and doing things out in the playground and stuff like that. And yeah. that's what I really enjoyed trying to bring that into my other subjects. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a great thing. No, thank you. And um, so this question is actually from Jack Watson at Question Secrets. Okay. Um, so I think he did a little bit of research because he says, <laughs> in your Dragon's Den episode, you said that you had a 25% ceiling that you give away for investment. Yeah. But you actually took 35% that would drop to 30. Yeah. Um, after the repayment and he wants to know how did you feel about it and was it worth it? Yeah, um, I've always been that guy that sits on the sofa and watches Dragon's Den and just like screams at the telly going like, don't, don't do it. You know, people <laughs> going in for 10% and then they walk away with 60% or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I went in originally asking for 5% yeah. for quite a small equity and I had the ceiling of 25% in my head. But it's so hard to explain the... The, the feeling that you have when you're in that position mm. and you're there and you've got these, you know, potentially life-changing people in front of you. Yeah. For something that I, I've honestly put my blood, sweat and tears into. Yeah. To think, actually, 
is it worth selling a little bit more of my soul and actually yeah. giving them soul, that? Soul, not company, soul. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> to, to, to kind of see if it would, it, it would help. And I came out of it afterwards, like literally after sort of coming out of the studio, and it was the weirdest feeling. It was just like a mix of pure excitement and also pure fear of what have I just done? Um, and it was definitely worth it. The, the, the kind of twist in the story is, is that the, the investment didn't go through. Um, so I haven't actually got a dragon on board. Um, we parted on very good terms and actually it was my decision to stop the, the progress of the investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I felt like the response that happened after the show um, and the feedback we've been getting from users and things didn't warrant the extra support that I could see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the time, it was definitely worth it, and I'm, you know, I'm glad I did. Had it gone through, I might have probably given you a different answer. Yeah, and this is this is a selfish question from my point of view um, that sort of just come to me now. But mm. from a business point of view, do you feel like it's opened you up into that world of mentors and business people? And yeah, hugely. I mean, you know, I we're we're working alongside some really quite big companies, like um, you know, stationary companies and things that are. Yeah for no, for no gain of their own are yeah. helping us and kind of mentoring the company in that sense and that's all because of um you know we've got a bit of exposure now and people realize what the product is you know that was a big thing that was lacking before was yeah. it was a new concept a new idea um and people hadn't heard of it yeah, yeah whereas now if you know if we make a phone call to a company or to a school or something like that we've got a bit more yeah. Awareness. Yeah. I yeah. Think I mean, it can be really hard telling to schools when nobody knows who you are. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, a perfect example is I did a little, uh, like a little trade show. And when I first got this sort of developed and my head teacher kind of released me for the day to let me go and just get some feedback and stuff. I wasn't trying to, to sell it. I just wanted to engage with teachers and yeah, yeah. see what they thought. And um, I was literally having to kind of jump out in front of them and stop them and say, like, yeah, can, yeah. can I show you this? I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to, yeah. I just want to get your feedback. I want to know what you yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually physically having to stop them because they just thought it was some kind of, you know, assessment tracker or something mm -hmm. like that. There's yeah, yeah. hundreds of them out there. Um, and it was hard breaking that barrier. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's how. Yeah, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. No. Sometimes you need to find out. Yeah. Yeah. You need someone jumping in front of you. This is it, yeah. Hello. And yeah. um, okay, so you've set the uh, company Markmate up yourself, and you've developed this product. Mm -hmm. So for someone sat there, because you know when we had the conversation before, even I was a little bit confused. Yeah. Like what? How does it even work? You know, talk me through marking books with it. Yeah, absolutely. So the prime sort of concept of it, and and it, you know, I always say to people, this came out of my classroom. So you know, I developed this personally within my own practice. And the whole idea of it is it's not something that's meant to completely change the way you as a teacher teach or work or mark or assess or anything like that. Yeah. The whole idea of it is it's something that enhances your current ways of teaching. Yeah. Um, the whole sort of package is basically a label printer um, and an online application that kind of feeds to that label printer. So what it enables you to do is mark your books in, your, in a normal way or your sort of worksheets or whatever in a normal way. So using your school's policies, go through annotating, highlighting, reading that student's work. 
But as you're going through that book, you're kind of verbally narrating everything you kind of go through. So, you know, as you're going, oh, I really like the way you've used this word in, in this sentence or, mm -hmm. you know, well done for getting that bit of punctuation in this paragraph, etc. And as you're talking, Mark Mate's turning that into text right, through okay. dictation and recording it all so that when you get to the end of that piece of work, you can just say print label and instantly a label will come out for you to stick into that piece of work and then move on. So instead of having to get through, annotate, and then write your feedback that you've kind of formulated in your head as yeah. you've gone through, it's doing it for you as you go. Yeah. But not only then can you stick it in, the feedback in, but you can also grade that student using your school's assessment strategies um, within Markmate, again with your voice, so when you're actually marking, you don't need to touch the computer at all, it's just listening all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get to the end of the piece of work and say, you know, grade nine, or working towards, or whatever your school uses, mm -hmm. And it will record that assessment on a uh, on assessment tracker as well. Wow. Um, so then you know you stick that in, move on to the next book. So the idea is is there are systems out there where you can you know scan a piece of work and let it mark it for you or highlight things for you and things like that. I didn't want it to be that. I didn't want it to be something that drastically changes mm. a teacher's toolkit. Yeah, yeah, system. Because that's I've, we've all been there where you kind of get into a way of doing something and then a, a, your head teacher will say, right, we need to do it this way now. And then it's like, you've got to upheave everything and change yeah. your, your own practice. Yeah, I guess well as well for me, sort of listening to you, you say that, I suppose the maybe the feedback would be more detailed because if I saw, oh, I really like the way that you've um, added this word in or something, I'd probably try and shorten it as much as possible yeah. and do a tick and say, yeah. great word yeah, or something. Yeah. But I guess... You, and, you're, and you're writing sentences with your voice. Yeah, and that's when I when I was originally kind of developing and we did lots of, um, my school was very supportive. So we did like whole school surveys of the students and before and after and all the staff and everything. And um, one of the biggest things that we got back from the students is that they felt like their teacher was talking to them mm -hmm. when they were reading it because it was almost conversational. Yeah. Um, and I was exactly the same when I was marking books, you know, marking was a big thing for me and it was very much like I knew what I wanted to say, but I just, I would condense it as much as possible just so it's on that bit of paper because of time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's the thing. It's more verbal feedback yeah. that you're yeah. given. Yeah. Like verbal, but written down. Yeah. So you've mentioned then that you give, you can have an assessment, mm. but can you track the... Can you track everything you've written for each student? Yeah. Is that like saved? Yeah, yeah. So, so you can see what feedback they've already had. Yeah. So what we've what we've tried to do is create the sort of same system you'd normally have, your pile of books, and then you, you know, there was a teacher at my school who would have a paper mark book next to her while she's marking. Um, you know, she'd give her feedback and then she'd give her a sort of grading system, one, two or three, based on that learning objective. Yeah, yeah. And what we've got is kind of an online version of that that's done automatically as you're, as you're marking and giving your feedback. So your grade is saved, but also your feedback is saved. Wow. Um, and another sort of great point of that is when you come to like parents' evening, book looks, um, report writing, those sorts of, you know, yeah, end yeah. of unit times where normally you have all your books out and you have to go through and kind of collect targets and stuff. You can literally just log in, see your student and see every bit of feedback you've given over the last however long you've been using it. That's amazing. Um, right, so I want to talk to you about marking policies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know we, we talked about this before, but I feel like it's a really good time to talk about it because a lot of schools are changing yeah. theirs. So a couple of questions. You know, do you advise on marking policies? You know, you've already said they don't need to change it to use MarkMate. 
Um, but do you have ones that you think, oh, this one kind of really works well with MarkMate? I, what are your preferences? <laughs> we don't necessarily advise schools on marking policies and, and kind of go into a school that's looked, that's sort of come to us and asked, asked to, to have a look at it going in saying you need to make this change it, it won't work unless you do this with your marking policy because a that's unrealistic but also b schools work in different ways and you know like i said before you don't want to upheave everything and change everyone's system but one personal sort of bugbear this is not the company or anything product related but just personal thing from when i was a teacher was just the frustration of schools and sort of higher higher level bodies to allow change in policies and things yeah. if there's something that actually has a positive impact yeah. you know not yeah, even just with this just, yeah, yeah. yeah just not even with marking but just generally i do think policies. that's coming more i mean if you if you look at yeah you know teachers talking especially in the facebook groups that is happening more which is why it, i thought it'd be really good to talk about it seems it. like more trust and I, I, re I hope this is the right thing to say but it seems like more trust is being given to the classroom teacher yeah. whereas when i was te when i was teaching which it wasn't that long ago nothing you know particular about the school i was working at but there was that overwhelming sense of i don't want to try something different almost because i won't be allowed it, yeah it's not going to fit in with our picture yeah, of yeah. the classroom or the school i think i think it depends how the school approach it as well so i actually interviewed uh, mitch hudson yeah. a couple of weeks back and and he talked about his marking policy at his school because he's a deputy head and they actually worked together on it mm. and um, he made some suggestions and and he said oh what they wanted to do was they wanted to write I for independent or something yeah, like yeah. that and he was like oh you'll regret that but I'll let you do it I'll let you try it and I think it's about working together isn't it yeah. what works for that school what works for all the teachers what works for the children and trying it and then saying do you know what that didn't work yeah as well and being but, open to change but that's general evolution of anything you know of schools of any kind of job you've got to be willing to listen to everyone on the ground floor and say you know what do you think is going to have an impact on they're your... doing it they're yeah. doing it yeah and you know one of the best sort of policies i've seen being in schools and things is having that freedom as a teacher where you've got sort of five six seven different approaches to marking you know right. through pupil um, assessment feedback yeah. or you know deep marking or symbol marking and things like that and they were encouraged to choose whatever kind of style of marking would fit that piece of work and would right, have right. the most impact okay. so if you were doing a piece of writing and you actually wanted the the, the student to in the next lesson be more f like have more freedom to kind of edit and not yeah. necessarily just make changes but think more about it they just use a symbol yeah. system whereas if you wanted them to actually really formally look at a specific mm. you know thing that they've used in their piece of work they'd use more of a deep marking where they'd actually leave feedback and they'd have two um, different colors for their feedback and things so i think we don't advise on policies but one big thing i always say whenever i go into schools is if you can see that something has a value so if Markmate has a value to you as a teacher and as a school or if you know different whiteboard that you use at school have an impact to as a teacher mm. why not make changes yeah yeah you know why continue to do things and just struggle along and that's just my personal kind of yeah ethos really yeah that's good and i suppose that marking policy that you mentioned is kind of like taking the best of everything yeah um, I suppose there is an argument that they might get confused with that. Yeah. Um, what years groups did that encompass that school? So that was another middle school. So that was years five to year nine. So I guess with, at that age as well, you know, it's not as confusing, is it? No. Um, no. Further down the school, and it took a lot of implementing 
for the students as well. So for the students to know, you know, if I've got these symbols, that means I need to do this. Or yeah. if I've got, you know, this code or this has been underlined in this colour or something like that, I need to do that. But I do think that had a positive impact because it made the, the children more kind of independent in their learning because they were actively engaged with their marking yeah, as opposed yeah. to just doing what they've been told to do, you know? So while we're talking about marking policies, there's been a lot of talk recently, hasn't there, about changing marking policies, schools, re-looking at it, you know, should they mark at all? Do they scrap it? Do they uh, do verbal feedback? Do they mark much less? You know, what do you think the value of marking is? Hmm. I mean, I, I can only talk from my personal experience. You know, I don't want to come across as this kind of person that kind of should dictate how marking should be done and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, who am I to say that? But I can talk from my personal experience of when I was in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing a lot at the moment from schools about schools going down the no marking policies. And I think... On the surface of it, it's a fantastic approach and for the whole work-life balance and teacher retention and things, it's a real positive step that people are listening. Um, but for me, there was always huge value in the marking I was doing because of the way I delivered it, I think, and because of the way I allowed the students to respond to that marking. You know, I was always in that kind of rut of just going through, tick and flick, leave a little sentence, look at paragraph two, edit that or whatever you know um, the moment I started kind of being more conversational and more um, detailed more specific is the moment I kind of saw that classroom change and I saw the students not only you know coming up with better end products because we were putting more kind of thought into their work but there was more pride from the students because they felt like I was spending more time with them as an individual yes. and their piece of work as opposed to you know marking their work sticking it in a drawer a yeah absolutely and you know the pride that they took they then had in that piece of work because they knew someone was going to read it and they knew someone was going to react to it and for me the most important part of the marking is not necessarily what you're putting down on that piece of paper but it's the time you give the student afterwards mm. to reflect on what you're saying and, you know, that's something I built into my into our lessons was was the first five to ten minutes of the lesson was sit quietly, look through yesterday's work, look at what I've said, you know, ask questions if you need to, talk to your partners, talk to your tables, what do you think that means, why do you think I've said that? And it it creates more engagement in that work mm. and makes it, makes it feel more valued. Mm. So my worry with having a no-marking policy is how a teacher is going to have that same level of impact on that individual student, on that individual piece of work, whatever it might be, on top of what they're already doing. Because, you know, teachers give verbal feedback all the time, you know, yeah. that's just what you do in the classroom. You go around, you're always looking over shoulders and, and enhancing things and suggesting stuff. So how are you going to do that as well as the extra stuff? That how I don't, I, That's something I, I'm interested to see how it evolves yeah, and how it develops. Yeah. And I guess really, I think, you know, what we've talked about so far, we're saying that MarkMate is probably really good for recording verbal feedback. Um, you know, why why are you so passionate about that approach, like verbal feedback written down? Because for me, it's the verbal feedback is is something that you know I talk a lot. And when I was in classroom in the classroom and things, conversation was like the biggest tool. You know, I would never say say to a student, "You need to do that," 
or you need to change this. It was more, what do you think about that? Or what could you do to that mm. to kind of lead them on and have that conversation? Because then they feel more empowered about that piece of work. And that's something I think Markmate allows you to do because you're having that almost kind of conversation. Yes, it's with the piece of work that you're looking at, mm. but that student then feels gratified the next day when they're having that. The having it written down and stuck in that book is a a time saving thing because otherwise you're having to go around to each individual student and give that feedback or you know I, I trialed when I was developing this system as a way of you know I tried all different kinds of way of giving feedback um, and one of the ways was at the beginning of the lesson we would have 10 minutes independent task up on the board I would sit at my desk and a student would bring their book up to me and I would physically say to them this is what you know I've made notes this is what you need to work on go away now and use this, this time to do that mm-hmm. and that was hugely time constraint like time had such an impact on time yeah, yeah. and you know then you, you you always have students that are just not really doing what you've asked them to do and it's just the way yeah. it's not efficient um, so it helps with that because everyone can just focus and look at their piece of work but also without kind of getting into the kind of you know teacher mode it's that evidence as well you know you can look back through anyone can pick that book up be it you know supply teacher TA LSA whatever can pick that book up and, and see exactly what's happened in the last week or the last month or anything like that mm. and that's something that if you're going away from written feedback how is that going to be passed on to other adults i'm not saying like ofsted coming in and doing book looks all that sort of stuff that's not what i mean i mean more like you know if you have that time when you're off for a couple of days or you're on a training course or anything like that mm. you don't want to go in and, and repeat the things that someone's been saying for the last yeah, week or do you know what i mean so yeah although you have to sort of think then if there was a supply teacher in because obviously i've done a lot of supply, yeah yeah me too would i would i flick back through and see the kind of feedback the feedback yeah have? probably not because yeah. at the end of the day if i'm doing day to day but i suppose obviously if you're doing a job share then yeah. you might yeah um, so there's definitely sort of arguments for both things. yeah um so i've got a question from benji um so he um he's quite a valued member of our community and so he always helps us out and has a lot to say so he says that schools are in crisis with the budgets right now um and do you really think this is something that schools can afford um you know is it a good investment for their money i you know i've worked in schools i've been involved with you know budgets for my department and all those sorts of things and i wholeheartedly understand you know how tight budgets are for schools and like I sort of said at the beginning, I originally this wasn't developed to be something I was going to be selling. This was just developed for for a tool for myself, um, and I spent a lot of time kind of trying to think about you know price points and cost analysis and all that sort of stuff. And the thing that really kind of crept up when I was getting feedback from all our sort of trial users right at the very beginning was what value do you put on this now that you've used it? You know what impact has it actually had on your work life balance? And when we were getting that feedback back from, from users, it made me realise that actually, you know, X amount a month or X amount a year or anything, when you actually yeah. dig down to the time it can save you, um, it has that value there. You know, it comes down to the, you know, the cost of a coffee a week or something like that. Mm. If you use it and engage with it, you can save that time and also get that feeling of, you know, relief a little bit 
from the, the, the general strains that we're all under. And that's what I say to schools, is that there's a huge emphasis at the moment on teacher retention, on you know, work-life balance and all this sort of well-being which should have been there from day one. You know, yeah. that's, It's not a new concept, it's just people are now starting to listen, I think, a bit more. And talk about it. Yeah, and realise the importance of it. Um, and that's something, you know, we say to schools, we, we encourage schools to trial it, you know, take it on for a couple of weeks, give it to a, a, a teacher and let them see, does it yeah. have an impact? Yeah. Because nine times out of ten when we do that, schools then realise there is value there yeah. um, for the time that it enables teachers to save. Um, so, you know, budgets are incredibly tight. But for me, it comes down to what is the school prioritising their budgets around? Yeah. You know? I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you was um, from a business point of view. So we're both ex-teachers. We've both set up businesses. What skills do you think that you learned in teaching that you kind of transferred across into your business, which is a completely different world? Isn't yeah, it? Oh, hugely different. Like the ability to work crazy hours and just keep going with coffee alone yes. helps. Yeah, I still do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I am so grateful that I got into teaching, like for so many different reasons. And I like I am genuinely passionate about education. I just love the, the concept of it. Um, and I've taken so much away from that in, you know, even down to the way that, you know, you, you meet new people and you talk to new people and all that sort of stuff. It's all about engagement and things. But as far as the businesses is concerned, it's really helped with, you know, being able to set targets and being able to plan. And like, I know we spoke about it before, but whenever I was planning a lesson, you'd always look at the end goal. What do you want the student to achieve? And you'd work backwards. You know, you plan the week out backwards. To get to there, I need to do this. To get to that, I need to do that and start from the very beginning. Yeah. And for me, that's exactly how the first phase of Markmate came about. Mm-hmm. I literally had a big bit of paper and just started yeah. mind mapping. This is what I want to achieve. This is what needs to happen to that for that to happen. Yeah. What do I need to do to do that? Let's go, you know, and then I just go away and do a bit of research or do a bit of, you know, reading and things. And that helps from a business point of view because, you know, for my sort of, I've got daily goals, weekly goals, you know, six monthly goals for the business, for the company. Daily goals, what? Yeah. (laughs) Turn the computer on and remember (laughs) to turn it off when you leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, and that's really helped me stay focused and, you know, being able to still talk with teachers as well is such a massive thing and being able to understand the industry a little bit. Mm. um, You know, I don't ever try to confess that I, I know more than anyone because I don't you know I've just come out of a classroom and this is yeah. something I'm trying to develop myself yeah. um, but it's really nice to, to be able to have that conversation and when someone yeah. starts talking to you about oh how could we use this in a different way and you know for other other purposes you can spark that conversation up and that really helps from a business point of view because they don't feel like it's some salesman coming in and having a chat you know it, and it were mentioned on the facebook live wasn't it it's yeah. nice to see somebody who's actually a teacher doing it because you're coming from a point of understanding yeah and that's always a really good place to start yeah um so your product uses voice technology yep what do you see in the future of voice technology because it's the big thing coming that yeah, people yeah. don't really realize yeah I, I, yeah i've done a lot of you know research and reading into sort of voice technology and, and AR, AR sort of augmented reality technology. And for me, voice recognition is just something that's, you know, it's becoming more and more part of our daily lives. You know, you've got 
smart hubs at home that you can talk to and you can ask for it to order you a taxi or whatever, you know, you don't have to think anymore, you just say it. And you know, personally I'm guilty of that. If somebody asks me a question and I'm not quite sure the answer, I'll just ask my little box I've got sat in the corner. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fantastic and I think, you know, the more and more users use it, the better the technology is going to get because, yes. you know, that's the way the system is created now. Isn't it yeah, it's, it's learning from everyone. So everyone that uses it teaches it, basically. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to get better. Um, I personally don't think that voice technology is going to have such a big impact on society as potentially originally thought. Mm. It's like everyone kind of thought that, you know, when Google Glass came out, everyone's going to be w w going around with smart goggles and all this sort of stuff, and that's going to be the future. Yeah, exactly. But this is the thing. Yeah. When it was coming out, you know, this is my computing kind of head coming back on. Yeah. Um, but what I do think it's good for is enhancing tasks that we already do day to day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, the yeah. whole smart home, smart hub like thing. Putting on Alexa. Yeah, ex exactly. And, you know, being able to ask what the weather is and all those sorts of little things like that. It's fantastic. There needs to be more trust from users in voice technology. I think before we have that big boom where everything is now voice controlled and all that sort of stuff yeah. because it's got a bad press you know five six years ago even more recent than that voice recognition wasn't that great mm. you know it made a lot of mistakes and it's only recently that Google and other companies yeah. have started doing this kind of learning process that the accuracy's just jumped you know so how accurate is it <laughs> wholeheartedly it's very accurate. Google, we use Google as our sort of back end, and Google say, they claim that it has a, around 94% accuracy, um, which the human ear apparently has 92% accuracy, so in theory it's more accurate than the human ear. Mm -hmm. Is that true? In real life, probably not. You know, I'm not gonna s sit here and say it never makes a mistake, because... So how often... Do you find, I mean, does it depend on your accent? It, I've got a terrible <laughs> accent, so. Accents, accents really aren't an issue at mm -hmm. all. You know, we work with lots of schools where they have a, a really mixed range of accents mm -hmm. and dialects and all kinds of things. And accents really aren't an issue. You know, mm -hmm. as I said, it's learning every day. People are talking to it from all different countries and yeah. different languages and things. Yeah. The main thing that has the biggest impact is having a good microphone. Right. You know, more often than not, a user will come to us and say, oh, it's made a couple of mistakes here or something like this. And when, I, when we actually sort of dig deep, why has it done that? It comes down to the fact that they've used their old laptop that's got a tiny little microphone built into it and they're in a classroom which sort of echoes in the background. It's the same way that if we're having a conversation now, you understand what I'm saying because it's quiet and you're focused on what I'm saying. Whereas for dictation, you've got to provide it that sort of isolated sound yes. for it to get the best understanding um, so it is genuinely very accurate I mean if you're using it and you're dictating with you know it's, it's a skill dictation it's something you learn mm. the more and more you use it the more and more it, it sort of you get used to the system and you know majority of our users now that have been using it for you know a couple of months or so and got it into their sort of day-to-day -day routine yeah. could mark a set of books and maybe have to change one or two things. Mm. Um, I mean, when I used to use it in my classroom, I used to be able to get through a whole set of books and not have to edit anything um, at all. And even if you do, it's not an, an extra thing. It's not like a time-consuming thing. The feedback's there on your screen. 
you know, I used to just give my feedback as I was going through a mark and I just quickly glance at the screen. Okay, print label and then send the print, you know, it's 10 seconds little skim read just to check everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, until I think people can wholeheartedly trust that everything you say into the voice recognition is going to be, okay. I don't think it's going to be that big boom yeah. in this AI technology that everyone's yeah. thinking about. So if somebody's using MarkMate and they've gone through the process of learning to dictate and learning to use the system most effectively, yeah. Do you think that it makes marking quicker? Yes. Like, and this isn't me trying to be, you know, a salesman and trying to sort of say, yes, it definitely does. I wouldn't be here doing this if I didn't honestly know that it makes marking quicker. Mm. You know, like I said at the very beginning, this was developed for me, for my classroom. That was all I was planning on doing with it, you know? And when I had that kind of light bulb moment, when I did mark my first set of books, and a set of English books normally would have taken me two, three hours. And even my feedback I was giving then would have been not great quality, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah, yeah. And then when I marked it, it was like 40, like one minutes, I think. And I got through a whole set of books and I'd given proper good feedback. I took yeah. the books into um, SLT the next day and was just like, can you have a look at this? What do you think? Like, you know, trying to get feedback. And it was just that light bulb moment. And I was, it really does speed the process up. Yeah. And when you get to the end of that set of books, you haven't got that exhaustion where you're like, oh, you know, all I want to do now is get the wine out and oh, just yeah. <laughs> and sit and watch telly for... Every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it really does. But you've got to, you know, it's like anything. People expect things to work instantly outside of the box. There is a little bit of, you know, getting used to the system the way it works and you do have to change a little bit of your practice mm -hmm. but if you embrace that and you engage with it it really can save you that time you just have to sort of make that extra effort yeah yeah so i think you know one of the things that sort of jumped out to me is that the feedback is quite detailed but then i guess it's quite lengthy so how how does that fit in with key stage one i mean do you ever have any key stage one teachers use it or is it not something that's really applicable for them yeah um you know one of the one of the things that came up on the facebook live was about the whole like modeling of the writing process and things and you know i've taught key stage one i i understand the importance of constantly you know large letters as you're writing and yeah, you sure, yeah. you know making sure you're always standing so they can see that so you write and that's an incredibly important skill an important thing um but because you're sort of going through and you're still editing that and you're still modeling that in your classroom practice, that one sentence or two sentences and things like that can't, it, it doesn't necessarily have that great an impact or reduction of what you're doing in the classroom by having a label that's stuck into that piece of work. Mm -hmm. But what it does do is allow you to give nice, clear feedback. You know, we've got key stage one friendly fonts and cursive fonts and all that sort of stuff. So you yeah, can yeah. still kind of fitted in with the handwriting yeah. in a sense but it's very clear for a key stage one student if they're looking at their piece of work there's the label that's where, that's my feedback um, and whether they read it or someone's reading it to them or whatever um, we have a lot of key stage one users and majority of them use it in a slightly different way not necessarily for feedback but they'll print off success criteria mm -hmm. or if they've got a group of um, hires and they want like a little mini extension task they'll print five or ten labels off hand them out and well. use it for that you know yeah. there's ways of ad adapting it to fit in with your setting and your practice with, um, our resources for math mm. is we actually uh, make them so they will fit on labels and some yeah. uh, teachers will snip them and then yeah put them on a label printer so yeah, yeah i understand that um do you think the scope for using this technology then for report writing loads of people ask me that 
It's one of the, like, when I first started developing this, our school, my, my school at the time was like, ah, we, should, we should get this involved with report writing and things. Dictation isn't a new thing, you know, and it's, this is a question that comes up a lot when I'm talking to schools. Dictation isn't new, you know, the idea of dictating things is not a new concept. What is new is using it in a different way and using it for a task that you wouldn't normally think about using it you know that's why I, I sort of researched so much about the marking thing because I hadn't seen that before and you know dictation itself can be used in report writing you know I used to use it um, before this even happened I used to use dictation when I was writing reports because handwriting for me has never been a strength mm -hmm. you know if SLT were looking through my books it was a question of is that my writing or is it the student's writing like yeah. it was that it's like that so I used to use dictation a lot mm -hmm. and um I think it's really got a place for report writing. That's such an arduous task. You know, mm -hmm. I used to I used to hate doing my summer reports. And my last last school originally when I started, we used to have to handwrite them. And if you, you know, if you make a mistake, you'd have to start all over again. Oh, and it was it was wow. hugely time consuming. Such a such a that. Yeah. <laughs> it changed quite quickly, let's put it that way. Um, but it absolutely can do and something we are looking at in the in sort of next phase of product development is Having that feedback that you're giving to the students um, on the ground floor, if you will, feeding into a system that will allow you to kind of almost generate a report for a student, but not using comment banks and things based on their levels, but actually using the feedback that you've given them and sort of taking out elements of that feedback to create targets. So, you know, instead of having to look through the books and come up with a target for that student for the next term, you could will be able to log in and say, right, for the last term, you've mentioned this area in their writing so many times, that should probably be their target. Yeah. Um, there's huge scope for all this data that's coming in from every... Yeah, AI, yeah. Yeah, basically, and all, the, all, all this data that everyone's constantly feeding into stuff and actually using it as opposed to just looking at it and then at the end of a term getting your averages and things. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Um, so you've obviously talked about... The fact that schools might need to make a few tweaks to the marking policies in order to make it work, but they don't really need to sort of, en masse, change anything. But is there anything that you specifically do to make the software fit in with other marking policies? We, we have added and we're constantly adding more, we're trying to add more and more functionality from getting feedback from users in, you know, to the point where we had one user say you know I've bought it for myself school are really interested etc you know I want to want to roll it out to our department problem is we have to use a cursive font and if that is the reason you're not going to buy a system that you think actually has an impact in your work-life balance and your school and everything mm -hmm. is because it can't have the font that you're used to yeah then a, that's something we need to change. And, you know, instantly, the moment we had that email, yeah. the next day our developers were, were putting in some extra fonts. Yeah, yeah. Because we realised, actually, some schools do see that as a priority. Yes, yeah. Um, and, you know, another thing is a lot of schools will require two, t two bits of feedback. So, that, you know, what went well and what to do next or your now task or whatever like that or two stars and a wish and things like that. So we're working on at the moment having that functionality so you can create almost like a template for your label yourself. So you can have multiple boxes with, yeah. with a little subheading, what went well, you know, next steps and all that sort of stuff. And as you're dictating it, it will put it into those sections for you. Um, so there's nothing I would say necessarily that 
schools need to change as such. And, and if anything, it's the other way around. We're trying to they adapt. They need to talk to you, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To work with you and tell you what they need. And the biggest thing that is getting over that initial hurdle of actually showing the teachers and the, the SLT the impact that it can have on that individual teacher. And once you see that and, and see the other ways it can be used and you know, used just in your general day-to-day -day teaching, at that point, that's when the conversation starts happening, right, how can we fit it in with your marking policy or your assessment strategy or anything like that? Or if it's something you do see a value in, what do we need to maybe tweak a little bit or just take out or put in or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, we do work alongside a lot of schools and try and, and it always starts with a conversation around the table. Yeah. This is what it can do. This is the time it can, your teachers have told us it can save. What do we need to do? How are we going to, how, you know, and we're, we're as a company very open to going into schools and having that kind of discussion and doing it more as a CPD thing more than a. Yeah. And I, and I guess the more feedback you get and the more options you have, the more schools it's going to help because yeah. you'll, you know, there'll be crossover, won't they? And they'll yeah. be able to make it fit for all the different elements yeah. of functionality that you've got yeah. that, I, that's applicable to them. And originally it was developed for, for primary schools, you know, so something I hadn't even thought about was that for GCSE assessments and marking and things, potentially for one piece of work, you might be assessing three, four different criteria. Mm -hmm. Whereas for primary, it was very much like, this is your learning objective, this is what I'm assessing. And you know, instantly, that was the first thing we started working on because we got feedback from um, secondary school saying, well, this is, we, we do it this way. Mm -hmm. So as within the next week, there was an update that came out and that allows you to do that. And it's, we need that feedback to grow as a product, you know? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I can hear it's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm just going to change track uh, a little bit. Would you ever go back into teaching? <laughs> yeah, I would. I lo like I, like I've said before. I really do love teaching, and I love education. I love you know. I've always wanted to be a teacher. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But I would. The problem is, is like it's probably the same that everyone says that's been in teaching. You love teaching for being in the classroom and for working with those students and having that impact, however big or however small. Mm. What I don't love is all the other stuff that goes along with it that you have to do. And it's, you know, I understand that's... The work until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah, and there was a real turning point was when my daughter was born and I was spending more time on other people's children than I was on my first child. Like, and there was a big switch in my head that was like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. And it's not that like I don't want to be spending time on other people's children, that's yeah. why I'm there. But I was... Who's going to spend time with your child? Well, yeah. And, you know, I can't get that time back, no, you know. No. Um, and that was a big turning point. And I would go back into teaching. But if there was more of a um, emphasis on the teacher, you know, one of my worst things I used to hate was being told to do something one way when you know there's a better way of doing something, and I'm not trying to be big-headed and say like, oh, there's different, but yeah, yeah. you know when you're just stuck in a, in a rut of systems and filling out this form because you've got to tick this box on that form yeah, yeah. and then you've got to put it on that system, when, then, when you know that there's Duplicate a... Yeah, yeah, constantly going over yourself just to, tra just to cover your back. Mm. Um, and I didn't like that. I almost felt like, you know, every time SLT would pop into my room, I felt like I had to be on guard, and that's not... That wasn't an atmosphere I wanted to be in, and no, it wasn't. No. It wasn't anything about the school specifically. It was just that that's where it had gone at that time. Yeah, yeah, and that's how you felt. Yeah. Okay, so 
You've talked a lot about life-work balance, mm. um, and as a company, that is something that we're quite passionate about. Um, we've got a campaign going on, yeah. and we we have life-work balance. We have it at the beginning. Yeah. If you could wave a magic wand, how would you solve it? <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to know everyone's point of view. <laughs> I would personally give more trust and more um, belief in the people in the classroom, in the teachers, in the TAs, in the LSAs, in the students, to under to know that they're there because they want to make that change. Mm. And if they think doing something in one way is having an impact, let them do it. If they don't think their marking at that strategy is having an impact, but they can do it in a different way, let them do it. Mm. Like, and at that point, that teacher then becomes in charge of their work-life balance. They, they become in charge of what they think is a priority. Mm. That's a hard thing to do because it's not always going to work and you need consistency necessarily in mm. schools, you know, and that's why you have policies and systems in place and things. But yeah. that's just a massive thing I think is lacking, is that you're always having to cover your back because somebody else is going to hold you to account. Yeah. And that's what builds up this work-life balance. And yeah. for me personally, that was what I almost left teaching a couple of years before this started. Yeah, I was, you know, at the doctors going for potential going to go off work with stress. I've never had that before, you know. Yeah. And that's all because I was constantly someone over my shoulder all the time. Yeah, and it's also the amount of the amount of working. I think. That's yeah. It for me. I I wish there was some like some obvious blinding thing that's just like if you did this, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. I don't. I don't know. I honestly don't know how I would make how I'd make the change. But for me, the big thing is just give more ownership to the people on the on the ground Believe floor. In them. Yeah, in them. yeah. And I'm not talking heads or deputy heads. I'm talking just the ethos of schools. You know, just give more. You know, back in the day, 50, 60 years ago, your whole village knew the primary school teacher because they were the ones that knew what they were doing and they and they did what they thought was best. Whereas now that doesn't seem to be. Yeah, that's the reason we knew everyone in the village because they, yeah. they also ran the shop on the weekends. And, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, quick fire questions now. Who was your favourite teacher and why? Uh, primary school teacher, a uh, guy called Mr. Witt. I had him when I was at primary school from probably year two up to year six, kind of like followed us through. He was just a really nice, genuine, down to earth guy. And he took the time for us as kids, as individuals. And I, you know, to this day, at Christmas occasionally, we'll go and meet up for a drink, we'll go and meet up for a beer. You know, we've That's stayed nice, in touch yeah. and it's amazing. And he had such an impact on every single person in that class. Um, and I don't think he realizes that, no. um, you know. Well, hopefully you will now. I hope so, yeah, yeah. Are you listening, Mr. Witt? Big shout out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you wish you'd known when you first started out in teaching? <laughs> that not to put so much um, pressure on myself, mm -hmm. to know that actually it will be all right. When I first started, it was like so overwhelming. I was kind of like, what have I done? You know, can I do this? Am I really cut out to be a teacher? You know, yeah. I could do the standing up in front of the kids bit and presenting stuff, but could I really keep up with all the other things? And that was the biggest probably message I'd say to myself is actually just give yourself a break and, you know, mm. Go for it. Believe that you can do yeah, it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, so what are the three biggest changes you've seen during your time in education so far? 
So the biggest thing for me, because I was involved most with it, was the computing curriculum, you know, that coming in and becoming more of an emphasis. Although that seems to have kind of, from my experience from last year, you know, when I, as I was leaving school and stuff, it kind of almost feels like perhaps that emphasis has gone a little bit. On the back burner. Yeah, yeah. Grandma's up there instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, that's just what happens. You know, every six weeks something new is kind of rotating around and becoming oh, yes. the emphasis. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Um, so that for me was a big change and the big impact for the last schools I was working at was, you know, the, the data uh, became such, such a big prominent feature of my career anyway. Everything was data driven and everything had to be, and I'm not saying that's all schools because I've worked in a school before where they were complete opposite and it was, you know, yeah. as long as the kids are smiling, let's, let's carry on, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that for me is a, one of the biggest changes that's impacted me is the fact that, you know, it's almost like people come in and don't see the kids anymore. Mm -hmm. They see the numbers and they see the data, they see the, the statistics yeah. and that's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a personal bugbear. Yeah, so where do you think education needs to go in the next 10 years? <laughs> um, I would love education to become more kind of creative, more, um, more about the school, the classroom, the child and more open to expression and interpretation a little bit. You know, we, we all know as teachers, you've got end goals, you've got objectives, you've got things that we need to make sure the kids are hitting. You, you know, that's what teaching is. But how you get to that point should be more ownership on that teacher, more freedom and things. And you know, if you spend a week engaging the kids and going outside and doing loads of forest schooly stuff in, in primary schools, I mean, that's an amazing initiative. Yeah. Um, but you get to that same end goal, then that's that's in a amazing. Way. And yeah, maybe in a memorable way as well. Yeah, I mean that's I'm I'm talking completely from personal experience. You know, that's I think why I love education so much is because I had that impact. Yeah. Um, as in my teacher had that impact on me, mm. um, and that's what I would love education to be is more of like the the children want to go to school because they want to have their teacher and their their teachers around them, you know, exciting them and pushing them and kind of you know challenging them and all that sort of stuff. Which I know, you know, as teachers, that's what everyone wants. Yeah, and I think it's definitely what teachers try to do. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're a bit constrained. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think until there's that kind of understanding broadly that that's a good thing to be doing, you know, looking like Steiner schools and that kind of approach and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's where I'd love it to be in ten years' time. It's quite a colourful picture, I suppose. I but um, last one then. So, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> I've answered that probably a hundred times. A fireman. No, I wanted to be a teacher. I always <laughs> wanted to be a teacher. Um, literally, to the point where, you know, when you leave school at the end of like, year six or leave primary school, mm -hmm. you know, we got given a Bible. It was a Church of England school. We got given a Bible. It was signed by everyone. And my teacher, Mr. Witt, wrote, see you in the staff room. And I've still got that. You know, it was a little momentum of kind of thing. It's like, you know. And you did? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And the pub. And the pub. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, no, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I went through a little phase of wanting to get into music and things, and that's, yeah, yeah. luckily, that kind of came into my teaching as well, so Good. best of both worlds. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks I for having me. It, I found it really, really interesting, and I'm sure um, the listeners will think it's just nice that we can talk about marking <laughs> yeah. for a change. I'm sure that they probably don't want to talk about it right now, but maybe they'll <laughs> listen in September, if yeah. not now. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We filmed and recorded this episode at Thornton Primary School, so a big thank you to Liz Davison, the head teacher, 
and the rest of the staff for allowing us to rock up on the last day of the school year. Honestly, they did. Thanks again also to James for travelling up and being part of our podcast journey. I've got some really amazing guests coming up, so why don't you join my Facebook community called The Teacher's Podcast Community to have a say in the questions that I'll be asking them. This episode should now be live on YouTube as well, so don't forget to subscribe to our channel. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and I'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review too. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teacher's Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.